to hear the word of the Lord preached tonight. And I'd like us to stand and welcome my good friend, Reverend Patrick Harvey, pastors, the Pentecostals of McDonough. And uh, I know it's a sacrifice for him to leave his church and be with us tonight, but I'm so glad that he did. He's sensitive to the Lord. He's a Christian behind the scenes and behind the pulpit. And I count him a dear friend, his wife, Rhonda, and his son, Jaden. They're just dear to my wife and I. We love them very much. And I'm inviting him to this pulpit right now. God bless you, Brother Harvey, as you preach for us tonight. Would you welcome the man of God? Praise the Lord, everyone. Aren't you glad to be in God's house tonight? Amen. I said, aren't you glad to be in God's house tonight? Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. I'm aware of the hour. I'm aware that it is a weeknight, and I'm aware that you have school and work tomorrow. But the Lord don't need a long time to work. Sometimes we just need a long time to warm up. So if you'll jump in here and let's get this thing done, God wants to do a quick work tonight. Amen. Pray. Sometimes it takes us an hour and a half before we finally knock down all the walls where God can say, all right, I can come in. But if we come in this place with prayed up, worshiped up, faithed up, God could just sweep in this place and do in five seconds what we can't do in five years. Amen. I want the Lord to speak to us tonight and to help us. It's an honor to be in this, in this church again. And I uh, appreciate the opportunity once again to stand behind this pulpit. I love this church. I appreciate this church so very much. And uh, Bishop, Sister Cole, I honor you tonight. God bless you. We love you so very much. And um, amen. Pastor and Sister French and the whole French family, I'm telling you. You know, sometimes there's people that you get around and when you see them, you just... uh, and then there's people, you see them, and you're, you're just glad to see them, and you're glad to be around them, and that's the way this French family is, and I love the whole French family, and I give honor to you, Pastor French, amen, and your sweet wife, amen, and my dear friend, Brother Ryan, amen, I love you so much, man, Brother Nathan, Brother Jonathan, and their uh, sweet wives, I honor all of them, this whole family are just, they're just, man, they're dear to our family, and uh, it is good and it is pleasant for brethren to dwell together in unity and I am so very glad that our churches are near and uh, and close in fellowship and we wouldn't have it any other way we might as well get along down here we might as well get along down here amen if you have your Bibles Hebrews 11 1 through 6 Hebrews 11 1 through 6 praise God amen I think they'll have it up on the screen here Praise God. Lord, I need you to help me tonight. <clears throat> Hebrews 11, 1 through 6. Now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh. Amen. Praise God. That's been a very powerful verse to me in the last 
few years, being dead, yet they speak. Amen. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Amen. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Amen. I want to preach to you tonight with the help of the Lord. A message has been burning in my soul all day long. I want to preach to you simply about pleasing God. Would you put your Bible down and lift your hearts and your hands to heaven unless that's the Holy Ghost to speak to us. God, I love you and I thank you for the privilege and the opportunity to be in your house. I know, God, that you've got a word for us tonight. And I know, God, if we are obedient to your word, we are going to leave here different than we come in the door, and your word will not return void. So in the authority of the word of God, in the name and the power that is in the name of Jesus Christ, we speak it. That, God, you would prick our hearts and our understanding that we would leave here different than we come in the door. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Your word is anointed. God, anoint our ears. Anoint my lips of clay to deliver it. And let us be hearers and doers of your word. In Jesus' name. Clap your hands unto the Lord and you can be seated in the house of the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Pleasing God. Amen. I want to please God. How about you? I want my life to please God. In life, there are some things that are essential. Amen. And there are some things that are optional. If you buy a car, you don't have to have cruise control and navigation, but you do have to have a steering wheel, four tires, and brakes. It's not a matter of choice. It's an essential. It's necessary. You've got to include them. Now, there's not a whole lot of musts in the Bible. You must do this or you must do that. Some people only see those and they don't see nothing else. But in reality, every one of them that are in Scripture is essential and that it is vital for us to understand and us to recognize the musts of Scripture. You must be born again. It's not an option. It's not just a good thing to do. It is essential. Amen. They that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Not just in spirit, but in truth. Not just in truth, but in spirit. Amen. We must, through much tribulation, trouble, and trial, enter into the kingdom of God. The gospel must first be preached or published among all nations, and then shall the end come. This corruptible must put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. And finally, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. When we think about the musts or the essentials, and there are others, we recognize that they are not just options, but that they are essentials because they each have a goal. They move us toward a certain place. And that place tonight, ladies and gentlemen, is pleasing God. That our lives would be focused on and built around pleasing God. That pleasing God should be the highest concern, the highest priority. It's not an option. It is an absolute essential that we please God. Hallelujah. 
Amen. It's more important than any other pursuit in our life, pleasing God. We ought to please God more than we strive for our education. Pleasing God ought to be a higher priority than our careers. Pleasing God is always more important than pleasing man. Hallelujah. We ought to realize that pleasing God brings about the most important things in your life. Amen. I'm not saying you shouldn't have a good education or you shouldn't pursue a good career. But I'm talking about priorities tonight. Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these others will fall into place under that priority. I'm persuaded that when you really start seeking God, folks, everything else just starts making sense. That when you put Jesus first and pleasing him and him being pleased with you, you ain't got to worry about a lot of other stuff. If you will make it your pursuit in life that I must find a way to please God and to bring glory to his mighty name. Hallelujah. Praise God. Pleasing him is the only way to deal with the condemnation that guilt and regret and sin brings into our lives. Obeying his word, obeying his plan, obeying the plan of salvation, pleasing God deals with the debilitating residue of yesterday's failures and mistakes. If you could put Romans 8 and 1 up for us on the screen. Romans 8 and 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. Then Romans 8, 6 through 9. For to be carnally minded, that's earthly, that's fleshly. To be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity. Or warfare against God. For it is not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh. But in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. That's why tonight it is absolutely vital to obey Peter's instructions on the day of Pentecost. And repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sin. And you shall receive the gift of of the Holy Ghost because you're not in the flesh if the Holy Ghost comes into your heart and if you dedicate your life to pleasing God. And since that's true, I want to tell every one of you tonight, you can please God. You can't do it walking in self-will. You can't do it pleasing your own flesh. You can't do it following the dictates of the world or carnal friends or family members who's constantly saying and telling you that's not important and that don't really matter. You can't please God living your life based on feelings rather than on truth. Uh, Hallelujah. Well, I just don't feel. I just don't feel like that's necessary. I just don't feel like that's relevant. I just don't feel like that's important anymore. It's not about what you feel. It's about truth. We all have feelings. We all have feelings. But feelings are not supposed to lead our life. 
The truth of God's word is supposed to lead our life. And so we have truth right here. And truth is supposed to be the engine. And feelings are supposed to be the caboose. And truth will lead us. But our world and many in the church has got it turned around. And truth is the caboose. And feelings are the engine. But it's not about what you feel. It's about what thus saith the word of the Lord. I've got to please God. I've got to please. You can't please God that way. But when you step out of the flesh and when you step into the spirit, you can walk in a way that will please God. Hallelujah. I want to tell you, it don't matter the mistakes that you have made. It doesn't matter the wrong roads you've walked down. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done or how long you stayed there. The only thing that matters is if you want to, you can leave it behind and you can please God. You can please God. I know we're not worthy, but it's not about being worthy. It's about pleasing God. It's about loving God. It's about worshiping Him with all of our hearts and walking with Him every day. I'm telling you tonight, you can please God. Amen. You don't have to live below your privilege. You don't have to be second class. You don't have to live one day without his presence. You can please God. You can know the joy that comes from pleasing God. You can know the peace that comes from pleasing God. You can open up the windows of heaven and watch him pour out a blessing in your life. If you want to, you can please God. Oh, I've got to please God. I've got to please God. I've got to please God. Praise God. It's a choice in life. It's a choice we have the power through the Holy Ghost to make. Amen. Today, I'm going to please God. But what about the devil? I'm going to tell you, folks, he ain't big enough and he ain't strong enough. What about my problems and what about all my family issues? Let me tell you something. There is no devil that is big enough. And there is no situation that's bad enough. And there is no problem that is tough enough. And there is no circumstance that can dictate to your life. I heard one man ask another one day, he said, what are you, how you doing? He said, I'm doing all right under the circumstances. And he said, what are you doing under there? We're not supposed to be under our circumstances. There's no circumstances that can dictate your life. I'm not going to live under my circumstances. If you please God, you can rise above your circumstances. If you make up in your mind, there's enough power in the Holy Ghost that you can walk with God. And you can please God. It's vital. It's important. It's a pathway. It's a doorway to a goal. And that is to allow God to bless your life. Folks, listen to me right now. When you please God, He responds. He reacts. He can't help Himself. It's His very nature. Amen. We've heard it preached. And it's amazing to me that Jesus did not come at the plea of Martha. Lord, The one whom thou lovest is dead. He's ill. Amen. But rather he tarried beyond Jordan until one day he announced to his disciples that Lazarus is dead. And I am glad 
for your sakes that I was not there. And this might sound strange, but I like that. Because that tells me that if he would have been there, he wouldn't have been able to help himself. If he would have been there, their faith would have triggered a reaction. Even though he had a greater cause, he knew if I would have been there, there would have been something in their faith that I would have walked into that bedroom and I would have raised him from that sick bed and I would have healed him. So why don't we put God to the test? And why don't we try now and see? And why don't we ask God? And why don't we say, God, I believe that you will heal me. I believe, God, that revival is coming to my family. I believe that you will touch my family and touch my finances and make a way in my life. Let me tell you something. He can't help him himself when you please God God is going to react God is going to react when we please God my little sister Rachel over four years was told she'd never have a baby long before my mother passed she was told over and over and over and over and over and over. You can't do it. It's not going to happen. And throughout those four and a half years, ten men of God came to our church and ministered to her that God would give you the desire of your heart. Half of them knew about her situation. Half of them did not. And about three years into that four and a half, it was right after my mother had passed away. And I sat in my office on a Saturday night before the first Mother's Day that I had to face my congregation on a Mother's Day to preach. And I didn't know what to say. And I was kind of discouraged because my mom had just died and I didn't feel like preaching on Mother's Day. And my sister was going through a bunch of stuff and it was three and a half years of negative, 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 negative. And I just was struggling and I was praying. I was asking, God, you've got to help me, God. I don't feel like getting up and preaching tomorrow. I mean, what am I supposed to say to encourage somebody? And I had my mom's Bible in my lap. And I meant to bring it tonight and I left it in my car. And uh, I had mom's Bible in my lap. And I read through her Bible because she highlighted and she underlined things all throughout her life. And so many, many times I'd read through her Bible because I wanted the scriptures that ministered to her. I wanted to let them minister to me. And so I sat there that night and I was crying and I was praying, God, you've got to help me. You've got to help me. And I said, God, I need you to help me. And I opened her Bible. And right when I opened it, the first place I opened it to, I saw something I'd never seen before. And there was a verse that she had underlined. And her faith her faith and her prayers had compelled her to underline this. And the verse said this. It said, And God remembered Rachel, and he hearkened unto her, and he opened her womb. And so I, after having a good cry and a good praying through that night, I went to our church that next day, and I said, I know it's been three and a half years, but I'm going to tell you, we're going to have to pray. We're going to keep on praying, and we're going to have to reach up way high to stack on the prayers of my mama. But we're going to keep on praying, and we're going to keep on praying, and we're going to keep on praying. And now in February, my little sister that was told no for four and a half years, she's going to have a baby in February. Because when you please God... He can't help but react. He's going to respond to faith and to pleasing God. Folks, we cannot 
command God, but we can please God. And let me tell you, it is his good pleasure. It is his good pleasure to bless and to touch and to heal. I'm telling you tonight, you need to let God loosen your life by walking in the spirit and by pleasing God. Uh, When we please God, God can't help but react. Amen. 1 John 3, 22, my brother. Pastor John wrote these words. 1 John 3 and 22. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him. Because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. I can't get off of it tonight, so I'm going to keep drilling a little bit longer. Let me tell you, miracles are at your fingertips. God has bound himself by his word that if I do the things that please God, I have a right to come boldly to the throne of grace to receive help in a time of need. I have the right to say, God, my baby's sick. I need a healing in my body because I please God. God has bound himself by his word. And I'm going to tell you, I can preach it. The pastor can preach it. We can all preach it. Can we lose our voice and pass out on the floor? But if you don't stretch your faith and mix your faith with the word of God, it's not going to avail you anything. And some of you have been praying some old prayers, and I'm here to remind you, keep on praying. God told you you'd have a baby. You need to keep on believing it. God told you he's going to heal you. You need to keep on believing it. God said he'd save your marriage. You need to keep on believing it. God said he'd save your son and your daughter. You need to keep on believing it. God is bound to his word when you please God. Uh, uh, I know I know that sometimes there's greater causes and high expressions of God's will and sometimes I don't understand but I've come to tell you that the book says ask and you shall receive seek and you shall find knock and the door will be open it happens when I walk with him and it happens when I do the things that please God folks (laughs) the highest priority of our life needs to be pleasing God I'm going to tell you how you please God when you praise God and it doesn't seem like there's a reason to praise God you're pleasing God when you don't feel like singing and clapping, but you sing and clap anyway, you're pleasing God. When I pray and I don't feel like praying, I'm pleasing God. When I come to the house of God, when I don't feel like coming to the house of God, there's a smile that comes on the master's faith. And he looks at us and he says, I like them. They're pleasing me. I like their faithfulness. When they obey the word of God and everybody else is going the other way. When I stand for God at school or on the job or down at the mall and I'm a Christian everywhere I go, that pleases God. And it opens up an ability for God to bless my life. I open the door to blessing when I walk in pleasing God. I've got to please God. I've got to please God. But hear me today. While it is possible for any of us here to please God, 
Without faith, none of us can please him. It is impossible. I didn't say that. The pastor didn't say it. The UPC didn't say it. The book says it. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And tonight, if that's true, and it is, it's in the Bible. Amen. I believe personally that it's one of those statements that the opposite is true. With faith, it is possible to please God. And if all you got is a little bitty grain of faith the size of a mustard seed, that's okay. <laughs> if it's almost drowned in a sea of doubt, if everybody around you saying you're crazy, if everybody around you saying there is no God and Jesus never existed, if everybody around you saying the Holy Ghost isn't for us today and all that church going's not necessary, in spite of all of that doubt, if you can cling to a size of the grain of mustard seed of faith, and get a hold of it with all of your heart and say, Jesus, I believe you that let me preach to you right now. Mountains are going to move in your life. Doors are going to open. People will be healed. People will be saved. Paths will be created. Prayers will be answered. Churches will be set on fire. And all you need to do is be convinced that God is ready to do what he said he would do. I believe God that you are ready to do what you said that you will do. Praise God. Praise God. I got to please God. Now, I'm going to slow down just for a minute. I like to read books, and there's nothing wrong with reading these types of books, but I got to be honest. Sometimes it is discouraging when I see 47 steps to success and 30 decisions that will change your life. <laughs> you know, I kind of get into three and realize I'll never be successful. <laughs> you know, I just I can't do it, 47. I just. Uh... But the writer of Hebrews, while he makes it very clear that serving God, pleasing God, is a vital aspect of our relationship with him. And it is a doorway to our blessing at the hands of God and that pleasing God means obeying the word walking in the Spirit, receiving the Holy Ghost, walking in the Spirit. But then the writer gives us two little essentials. Just two. Just two. I, I, can, I can do two. 47, no. I can do 42. I can do two. I can do two. Amen. I think we can all do that. And they're so simple, I think sometimes we neglect to see how vastly important and how absolutely essential they really are because they're not really that earth-shattering. The first one is, He that cometh to God must believe that he is. Well, that just makes sense. If you didn't believe he existed, you wouldn't come to him. If you didn't think this book was true, you wouldn't read it and you wouldn't pattern your life on it. You've got to believe these basic things. Amen. But hear me tonight, folks. You've got to believe that God is, not was. Not one day in the sweet by and by. But he is right now. Where you are. What you're going through. Where your struggle is. What your problem is. He is not distant neither in time nor space. He is the ever-present help in times of need. He is. You've got to believe that God exists, but that God not only exists, but He's here 
and he's present right now. He is. Some of Jesus' enemies was trying to catch him in a theological fault so that they could criticize him and even destroy him because of it. And so they heard him speaking of Abraham, the founder of their faith and their nation and their race. And Jesus said, a greater than Abraham is here. Now, folks, they weren't stupid. They knew he was talking about himself. And they said, you're not even 50 years old. Are you saying you've seen Abraham? And Jesus said, I'll go one better. Abraham saw me. And he was glad. <laughs> well, that can't be true. That's just wrong. Who do you think you are? And he said, because before Abraham was, I am. Now, you can interpret that any way you want to, but I know how they interpreted it. They said, this man makes himself equal to God. Because they knew only God is the great I am. And when Jesus walks in, it's not part of a third of God or a portion of God when he walks into the situation it's alpha and omega and beginning and end and first and last and that which was that which is and that which is to come he's the almighty God and the great I am the creator of the universe and the wellspring of life and he's my hope and my help and my redeemer and my savior and my deliverer and the King of kings and Lord of lords. And he's coming back for a people that's made themselves ready. And every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. That's my Jesus. For the book says that without him was not anything made that was made. And he came for us. So tonight I want to remind you that in time of need he is. In time of trouble he is. In time of want, he is. In time of fear, he is. In time of doubt, he is. In time of despair and discouragement, he is. He is not distant. He is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and we move and we have our very being. And tonight, ladies and gentlemen, he is in this place. You've got to believe that he is. Well, he did it back then. Now he can do it today. He is. You must believe that he is. We may not have all the answers. And you may have guilt and regret over some of the bad decisions you've made in your life. But if you come believing that he is, you've opened the door to a brand new life. People let you down, but that don't matter. He is. People haven't lived up your expectations, but that's not important because he has and he is. He is. He is. The second step, and I close. The second step is not only dependent on the first step, but it grows out of it. It is the logical next step because he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder Because to believe that God is, but to believe he's distant and unreachable and untouchable. And that our sins and our mistakes have forever unqualified us from stepping into his presence. To live in a perpetual sense of failure and to be constantly dominated by our mistakes is to leave ourselves out of opportunity to please God. If you want to get to that place that I'm preaching about tonight, you can't just believe that he is. Folks, you have to believe that he cares And you have to believe that he will. 
Not only that he is, but you have to believe that he will. To me, it's one of the most moving cries in all of Scripture. A leper who had no hope, separated from his family. Separated from his home, his neighborhood, his friends, his children, his wife. Living alone, surrounded by the dying in a place reserved for lepers. Restricted from touching any human. No embrace. No handshake. Unable to approach anyone without first announcing your presence with that horrid word. Unclean! I'm unclean! And then watch everybody scatter in fear because of you. But one day the crowd parted in fear as he walked through them toward Jesus. And I'm not sure how he heard about the master. And I'm not sure who told him that being cleansed and having a new life was possible. But somewhere he came to believe that God is real. And that Jesus can change everything. But he stands several feet away and he says these words. Lord, this is what he says. Notice. Lord, if you would, you could make me clean. I know you can. Here's where we are tonight. I know you can. That's not an issue because I know you're real and I know you have power. My struggle is you've done it for others. Will you do it for me? You've healed other homes and you've saved other marriages and you've blessed others financially and you've given others the baby they desperately prayed for and you've healed others' mothers and you've healed folks and you've brought hope to the hopeless over and over and over and over again. I don't have any trouble believing you are who you say you are. I'm just not sure you'll do it for me. So God, if you would, Jesus, if you would, you could. And folks, I could explain what it meant. There's no way to describe the social, cultural implications of what happens next. We know Jesus could have said, go and show yourself to the priest. He had done that. And as they went, they were healed. Lepers. We know he told the father whose son was vexed of the devil, go home. Everything's going to be all right. And by the time the father got home, the boy was healed. He could have done that. We know he did it. But Jesus, I believe, I believe he was thinking of me and you. And he stepped away from his disciples and he walked to that leper. And I just can't help but imagine that perhaps he didn't take a couple steps back. I mean, he had spent his life, he had spent his life afraid of human contact, afraid of what would happen. But Jesus walked up to that dying man and here's what he said. It wasn't much, but it was enough. Jesus simply said, I will. And he put his hand on that leprous man. Now, folks, at this moment, surely there was a gasp in the crowd when the master put his hand on a leprous man. But even so, it was soon drowned out by the gasps when they saw that he wasn't a leper anymore. He was healed because folks, he can and he will and I've come with a simple word to preach that he will tonight. you got to believe that he is but you've got to believe that he will And then you've got to believe that he'll do it right now. Not that he'll only do it for them or for her or for him. No, Jesus is saying, I will. 
Stand with me right now. And so right now, in the Holy Ghost, I invite you. I urge you. As Paul said, I beseech you. I'm begging you that you would grab hold of the little seat of faith and decide, I know that he can. And I believe that he will. And in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, bring your needs to an altar right now. And let Jesus touch your life. Would you come right now? Can we spend some time in the altar before we leave tonight? Come on. I'm coming to tell you, he can. But you got to believe that he is. And that he is right now. And that he wants to do it for you tonight. He wants to do it for you tonight. If you want to, you can please God. You can please God. For with faith, with faith, it is possible to please Him. Would you lift your hands right now and just tell Him, God, I believe that you are. I believe that you are. And I believe that you will. And that you'll do it for me. God, you're going to give me that child. God, you're going to heal my family. God, you're going to restore my marriage. God, you're going to save my husband. God, you're going to save my children. God, you're going to save my mother. God, you're going to save my father. Come on, I know you've been praying about it a long time. I've come to stir you up tonight. To stir up the faith that's in within you. And believe that God can. And believe that God will. He's going to do it for you. He can. And he will.